doing something in Las Vegas. Hey, we got uh, good news. Dante. Josh Jacobs coming back in time to play the Broncos. Week one. Great news. <laughs> the good news if you're a Las Vegas Raiders fan. I was just texting um, our friend uh, Adam Hill out in Las Vegas. We'll see if we can get him on um, to talk about that. Uh, maybe next hour. See about that. Because we had Steve Cofield on. Uh, his partner on ESPN Las Vegas out there, Cofield and Company, had him on, what was it, last week? I think it was last week or the week before. And he was saying he thought the Broncos were going to beat the Raiders week one here uh, in Denver at Empower Field at Mile High because, well, Josh Jacobs, you know, he's been holding out and Devonta Adams is rusty and this, that, and the other. Well, now Mr. Jacobs will have two full weeks to be ready. Is that enough? I mean, he's a pretty tough runner. I don't know. We'll see on that one. So that's uh, kind of the, the breaking news. Adam Schefter just putting that out now. Josh Jacobs planning on ending his holdout. Says he's getting a new one-year deal. I thought I thought there was like a, I guess I'm wrong, obviously. I thought there was a point when you were tendered um, that you couldn't rework your deal. Like if you held out and they tendered you on the franchise tag, you couldn't do that. But it says, Las, this is per Adam Schefter, Las Vegas Raiders running back Josh Jacobs plans to end his holdout and report back to the team. League sources told ESPN's Adam Schefter on a one-year reworked deal that could be worth up to $12 million. The contract also features per-game roster bonuses, according to sources. Jacobs has missed all of training camp while holding out. He and the Raiders failed to reach an agreement on a new long-term deal before the July deadline, and Jacobs did not sign his franchise tag, which had been worth up to $10.1 million. So maybe that's the deal. You can't, they couldn't do a long-term deal, but they could do a one-year deal. Fellow disgruntled running back Saquon Barkley also initially declined to sign his franchise tag, but in late July agreed to a one-year deal with the New York's Giants that adjusted the tag. So I guess you can adjust your tag, which is one year. Okay. A first-round pick of the Raiders in 2019. Jacobs did not have his fifth-year option picked up by Las Vegas last year and responded with the best season of his career. He led the NFL in rushing with 1,653 yards from scrimmage. Oh, and yards from scrimmage with 2,053 while catching 53 passes for a career-high 400 yards. And 12 rushing touch, uh, touchdowns also tied a career high. Jacobs was not subject to any fines for missing camp because he did not sign his franchise tag and was not under contract. So, uh, there you go. Hmm. All right. Uh, perfect intro song. So, Dante, they say uh, Dante is hobbled off, but uh, you're getting some love there. Yeah, uh, Jacob's being gone, or just having two weeks to get ready, I don't think will affect him playing the Broncos. Uh, fantasy football players know that there was a, a game where he was supposedly not playing and ended up going off for over 200 yards up until game time. He was pretty doubtful to play. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, And he always seems to play well against the Broncos. Yeah, well, you know, like Colin, Colin's anchor behind the glass. You and I have uh, been out, you know, we've been out to camp. We've seen how, quote, hard 
they've been practicing out there. So I don't know how much of a difference it makes. They're not really, it's not the old days. Like, we're going to talk about Randy Gratishar today. When Randy Gratishar was in training camp, that was hard work. They were hitting. Yes. They were hitting. They were practicing two, three times a day. They were doing it for like, what What did they, their training camp was like eight weeks. They yeah, bring in like 100, that. 120 guys, like 40 of them. Would you know f- they were dropping like flies? They're up in Greeley. Yeah, they're in Greeley. Tin cans, sleeping on bunk beds. <laughs> yeah, they were. Um, you know the Russell Wilson run that we've uh, alluded to so many times would not have happened in those days. Yeah, uh, d- from day one of camp where Allen got free. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he, he would have been crunched yeah, like a like, tin can. Were there were there even red jerseys back no. then? I don't no. I don't think they had uh, the red jersey available. Yeah. Although, yeah. Red was blood on the uniform, right? Yes, yeah. Although, yeah, back then, because that was Craig Morton now. Now, Elway, Elway got special treatment. I remember one time, so we went to training camp in Greeley, and we're driving back. It was my, my cousin Brian and I and my Aunt Sandy. And Elway's, and Elway's going, he's, he's got to be going 90, 100 miles an hour. He's just zoom, zooming home in the middle of, the, you know, after practice. Elway, Elway got a little bit of special treatment, you know. Back in the day, you know, he uh, the Broncos traded for him to bring him in. Yeah, you know? and th- this was you know when he was in his prime. He, they had been to two, or three Super Bowls by that point. So Elway, you know, Elway got got away with a little bit of stuff. But uh, Russell Wilson has done did the squat here, and we'll talk about oh maybe some some people. Uh, one person, one former NFL GM thinks uh, he might not even make it through the season here. Uh, oh no. On the text line, actually, don't, I'm not even going to read this until I confirm this because this, that's one of those stories you do not read. But it would be a, a sad story if it's true, but I'm not going to read it until we get some confirmation on it. But Oh, yep, here it is. Bob Barker, longtime host of The Price is Right, passes away at the uh, age of 99. Just, you know, kind of a fixture of your childhood and, of course, um, you know, Happy Gilmore is in the movie Happy Gilmore, so made it all the way to ninety nine. So. Don, Don is saying ninety nine is kind of perfect. Ninety nine is close to the dollar on the spin wheel that you can get. You know, that's true. That's right. <laughs> Would win you a lot of showcase showdowns. Yes, yes. <laughs> it kind of, kind of. Uh, I'm stealing this from Dante. It's his words, but you know, it, uh, the, it's very fitting. Yeah, you know, I got suckered into this stupid Price Is Right documentary on uh, Netflix. Oh, is it the guy who guessed everything right? Nope. So, yeah, it was that one, but it was like uh, there was no payoff. Right? Like there was one, um, there was a guy that figured out the wheel on Press Your Luck. And so he won, like he, he knew it was a timing. It was like an algorithm type thing. Yeah, big money, no whammies. Yeah, like he knew like how to get around the whammies and how to get like the five, you know, like he won like a bunch of money. Like, this guy didn't really win anything. Like, he won, you know, like, it was a total waste. I kept waiting. Like, I watched the whole, I think, most of this documentary, and it was lame. Like, there was no payoff. Like, he got on there maybe once or twice or whatever. He was just, like, basically shouting from the audience and kind of guessing. And, like, Bob Barker maybe, like, talked to him once or twice or whatever. It was, like, a pretty lame Netflix thing. Like, so, he wasn't, he wasn't even part of... The choosing, like I think he got on once or twice okay. or something, and like a couple times he shouted something, and a contestant like took his advice or something. It was fairly lame. 
Oh, I got gotcha. you. It was like so he basically stood out stood outside the studios to get in as many times as possible. Right, and then he he had done research, and so he had a a general idea of what things cost. It wasn't like he was Rain Man, like he was a savant, you know, like like he knew all the stuff. It was just like he had a general idea. Well, there's something to be said for putting in the work, especially at that point in time where it, uh, things weren't as widely available yes. like we have now. He he did some work, and you got to hand it to him. There's kind of, It's kind of the, even when you go to, like, the counting cards in Vegas type of thing, it's not cheating, but, you know. Yeah, you, yeah you I know, but work. you don't get a documentary for it. That's all I'm saying. Like, dude. You stole two, You stole ninety minutes of my life. Have you Have you heard of the uh, car counting team from? Uh, oh man, why am I blanking on it? <laughs> um, MIT from MIT. Yeah, yeah, that's a movie. That was good. And it was because they too. got away with. The, yeah, they did it. They They figured something out and made huge money. This guy didn't really figure anything out and got almost no money. Like it was a he figured farce. something out and got no money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He kind of figured some stuff out and got little money. Like, you don't get the documentary. They get the movie because they figured it out. They got beat up and almost got killed. And there was some suspense there. And it was worth, you know, exaggerating for like a Hollywood movie and a big book. There's a difference. Like, you don't just give out the dang documentaries to anybody. Here comes the ribbon for everybody. I know. Everybody gets a trophy. (laughs) Think You know, the thing, and I've said this before, the thing that drives me nuts about that is the generation that gripes about that is the generation that did it, right? It's like my dad's generation. It's like, ah, everybody gets a trophy. It's ridiculous. They don't keep score. They don't do this. And it's like, wait a minute. I I thought about this one time. I'm like, well, wait a minute. I got a trophy when I was a kid, right? And I'm, right? So who... I didn't give myself the trophy, and we were, like, almost dead last that year. And I remember the table. Every team in the league, every kid got a trophy. So I know we didn't, as eight-year-olds, get together and say, go to the trophy store and say, print up trophies for everybody in the league. I know we didn't do that. So who did that? Our parents. That generation. Like, they started it. It's all their fault. Right. I I do remember playing on one team where – we didn't keep score in baseball. I was like, I, I don't Flame. like this. I don't like this. I was yeah. like, wait, who won? Wait, yeah. we, we definitely won, didn't we? Oh, we don't keep score. I'm like, I'm not playing here anymore. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah the kids keep score anyway. Yeah. Guess who gave us the juice boxes? Our parents. Like, so I was just like, this is crazy. Like, the generation that was griping about it is the generation that started it. All right, juice box or Capri Sun? Oh, it just depends on the flavor. I mean, I didn't. I you know, I like I like Capri Sun, but it's kind of a jip. You know, like there's too many uh, double spearing through the backside. You know, there's too many Capri Suns that have been wasted because you couldn't get into them. All the fallen Capri Suns. You're right. Yeah, yeah probably what? It's kind of a pain. Eight percent of all the Capri Suns in the world were completely wasted. I'll do some quick number crunching for you. By the way, a texter says, Dan. Always still getting away with stuff. Dude literally crashed the whole franchise with his Madden style GM moves. That's true. Like, just think about how badly this season is potentially going to go still because of John Elway, because they still believed in Jerry Judy and they were still banking on the receiving core because of Jerry Judy. And Garrett Bowles. They're talking about what they're going to talk about this. They're talking about cutting 
Did you get Bowles now? And he was there going to be their answer left tackle. I tried to warn him. Tried yeah. to warn him. How does uh, trading Justin Simmons sound now? Oh, okay, D-Mac. <laughs> All right, D-Mac. Um, hey, he's your most valuable asset. Him or Sertan, right? Uh, well, yeah, Sertan, but you have a lot more years with him yeah. for his contract. Yeah. Or is it Javante Williams? I hear he's the best running back in the league. Uh, n- no. What? But, no. What do you mean no? He could lead the league in rushing. <laughs> I mean, running backs don't get paid. We just talked about Josh Jacobs barely get, you know, just getting $12 million. Yeah. Well, of course, Sutton's going to get 18 or whatever. Uh, 20, 22, 24, something. Yeah. yeah. Somewhere around the 20 mark. A whole lot more than Javante will ever get. Let me ask you this, Colin, your chef. Got the big, uh, speaking of our generation, juice boxes and trophies. The daughter... She's turning six years old tomorrow. All right. Got the big party tomorrow. Got the big bouncy house. Going to have screaming banshees all over our house. <laughs> Going to have pa- you know, parents running around. Going to have family running around. My, si- my my one daughter's coming back. She's not allowed to bring the prison dog because the prison dog would bite all the kids. I was going to say too many kids around. Yeah. Let's, no, let's not do that. So my daughter is it like. It would be entertaining. Tell Flora to come back, but she can't bring Stark because he'll bite the kids. That's true. He would bite all the kids, so he's not welcome. She knows. Yeah, yeah. Um, prison dog, you can't come home. Sorry. Normally, when my oldest daughter comes home, we look forward to her bringing the prison dog, but he's not welcome this time, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm like thinking of the menu because my my wife, my life, my wife, she's like, well, I'm having the party at three o'clock because at three o'clock you don't have to feed anybody. Not true. See, go ahead. Tell me. Why not? Because people go to a party expecting to eat, or they won't eat beforehand, especially knowing that it's at the Jacobs household. Exactly. You you don't go to someone who's uh, so, you know, good at his barbecue and his craft that uh, you don't expect to not have some food there. Something of some substance. Yeah. At least to tie you over until dinner time. That's what I was thinking. So... What I'm thinking is, I'm thinking I'm probably going to just, but I, I think I'm going to probably do the charcoal grill, you know, nice flamed, you know, burger. But I'm just thinking of doing burgers, burgers and dogs. Do some little sliders. Um, I could do sliders on the Hawaiian rolls. I was going to say, um, if you really want to scare the kids, just do a whole pig. Yeah, whole pig. <laughs> see, see if they come back for yeah. five seconds there. Keep the apple in its mouth and everything. Go ahead there, uh, Dante. Uh, a little reference to that. Yesterday, um, we were doing trivia, and Matt Smith had a great question. Um, which college football team fed their mascot to their football team? You know, I was listening to this on the drive. Uh, they were talking about it, and then I got out of the car before they gave the answer. Oh, you didn't hear the answer? Do you have any ideas? Um, any guesses? I mean, I, I like, and it was not Ugga the Bulldog from Georgia. But, yeah, I heard. I got no, to, no clue. And I, I, I heard them. Uh, somebody guessed Bevo, I, and I thought that would be a good guess. I thought Ralphie would be a pretty darn good guess. Ralphie would be a good guess. You know, that's a good meal. That's a fine meal. Um, anything with a bird, you know, would be a good guess. Bird. I thought Florida was a good guess. I don't think they have a real gator though. But in general, you know, Northern Florida would not be surprised if they're uh, yeah, but gator. I, yeah, I don't. I mean, if it's not. A steer or... It was, it was Bevo. It was Bevo? It was Bevo. God, what a sick, sick... It game. was like 1920. Oh, yeah. Probably during a famine. Yeah, a little a little different back then. The other good uh, idea uh, someone had was uh, the Razorbacks, Arkansas. Uh, yeah, I did I hear that. I Arkansas doing that as well. Well, so so who guessed Bevo? 
I guess Bevo. You guessed Bevo yeah. because you were the a little bit of the uh, DMAC, I think it was, kind of like responded with like some scorn and criticism. When you said that to Bevo, to you, yeah. Oh, um, when you said it, it was like Bevo. Wow, I was like, I, and I thought to myself as I was listening, I think right, that's one of the better guesses. I was like, that's a pretty good guess. Like, like I, I think Florida, if they had a Gator, would be you know top of the list as well. Bevo, I don't really know what else would be. Ralph, Ralphie not a would bad be a good answer. guess. Yeah, I don't know. Are there any like deer teams out there? I, I mean, there's oh, yeah, the Bucks, Jackalopes. Yeah, the Bucks. Okay, yeah, yeah, the deer, yeah, the Jackalopes. Uh, well, I meant more. I get yeah, like the South Dakota State's the Jackrabbits. Yeah, you see that being a, a meal. The armadillos. The armadillos. <laughs> um, find that on the side of the road. But yeah, yeah I thought Bevo. I was right, obviously, but I thought that was a good guess. The pioneers. Donner. <laughs> Donner. The Donner party. Uh, I, I don't think that would go over that well. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I should, I don't know if I should talk about this. I could get in a lot of trouble for bringing this up. Speaking of the the Donner party. I don't know if I should bring this up. I got a question. You know, see, when you're a lawyer, you get a lot of questions from people that are like, hey, Dan, is this? I feel like I should talk about this on the air, but I feel like I could get in a, a lot of trouble with my wife if I do and this person. I thought you were going like attorney, you know, uh, client Attor- privilege. Attorney client privilege. <laughs> well, you like, a lawyer. I was like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't talk about it. Um, well, the, it's, she's not a client. Um, and, you know, it's like one of those, it's like a dumb, hey, saw this on the internet. Is this is this real? And, well, see, if you're going to get in trouble with your wife, you just have to make the birthday even more special to make yeah. up for it. So, so you're good either way because you have time to make up for it. Yeah. Let me, let me think about it uh, because I was just like, Oh my God. I, it was one of those things where I typed out a response and then I'm like, there's no way I can send that. There's just no way I can word this response without it being insulting to this person who's really a, a, tr- a good friend. And so I'm like, I just can't do it. I can't, there's just no way I can send this without it being like, how could you, how could you, how could you even believe any of this? Like this, there's just no way. Like, like no. Why would you even ask? Like, there's there, there's not a scintilla of anything. It was like in that movie, um, <laughs> uh, when when uh, Adam Sandler does the debate, where he's like, happy, or not happy, Gilmore, yeah, Billy Madison. Yeah. At no point in your rambling blah 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 of an answer was there anything, even remotely <laughs> approaching a rational thought. <laughs> I award you no points, and may God have mercy in your soul. We are all dumber for having listened <laughs> yeah. to this answer. Yeah, I was like, so there was nothing I could, you know, so I was like, I just I just have to say, there's zero truth whatsoever, <laughs> you know? Uh, so I'll think about I'll think about if I want to go down that rabbit hole. But, uh, and we'll talk about the menu for the big party coming up tomorrow. If I should just go go safe, go with the, you know, I make a good burger, you know, a good burger, you know, maybe some sides. Um, but coming up next, the lovely and talented James Merlet. All right, we welcome into the program, as we do each and every weekend on the Dan Jacobs Show. Probably the most anticipated segment every single week on the entire station is when we welcome in the favored son of the fan, James Merlet. Welcome into the program. Good morning, Dan. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Are you coaching football today? I am. We have the uh, season opener for my uh, son's 
sixth grade team. I'm the uh, I'm the from the head coach, so it's a big day. Yeah, I ha- I have some anonymous sources that said you're actually a very good coach. Oh, well, that's nice to hear. Uh, we'll find out here in a little bit, but um, you know, I do my best. Are you more uh, Sean Payton um, old school or more like uh, Coach McDaniel over in Miami? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm probably more old school. You know, when you're pushing 50, I, you know, tend to do old school kind of things. But, you know, we don't do Oklahoma. I don't run kids till they puke. You know, we we run a pretty up-tempo spread offense. So I think I'm somewhere in between. Okay, okay. Um, Let's start it off. Uh, Randy Gratishar. It's about stinking time. Um, and you are pushing 50, so you you may actually have some on-field memories of him. Let's talk about Randy Gratishar. I definitely have on-field memories. So I remember watching that 1977 team in the Super Bowl. That was my first memory as a child. That's as far back as I can go. Um, watched him play for several years after that. I remember where I was when he had the 93-yard touchdown interception return against the Browns that bounced off Tom Jackson's leg. Um, one of the best middle linebackers of all time, phenomenal in short yardage. Nobody could come over the line and meet the running back in midair like Randy Gratishar. Great, great player. So why he's been overlooked this long is beyond me, and it's what drives me nuts about the Hall of Fame. Of He hasn't played it down in 40 years. So why is he, you know, now all of a sudden he's a Hall of Famer, but he hasn't been for four decades. It's silly. And fortunately, this one's going to get done in time, but it drives me crazy when Kenny Stabler goes in the year after he passes away. It drives me crazy when Red Miller goes into the ring of fame after he passes away. It's just, it's a shame. It just shouldn't go that way. So um, fortunately they're going to get this one right. I think it seems like it's a rubber stamp uh, point now. So that's a good thing, but uh, well-deserved a great, great player. And the fact that of the first 74 teams that went to a Super Bowl. The 1977 Broncos were the only team without a Hall of Famer is a joke. That's finally going to get rectified. You know, the thing that really, the only reason I'm really upset about it is because, you know, otherwise, hey, they're athletes. They got their time in the sun and it's a Hall of Fame. It's an award thing. I really wouldn't care except for these guys played, they sacrificed their bodies and they played at a time where they didn't make enough, like some of these guys had to work at, you know, car dealerships and stuff in the off season while they were playing. And so they weren't rewarded enough financially after they were done. So let's just say like Carmelo, for example, okay. He wants his, 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 you know, Jersey retired or whatever. That's well, that's just an ego thing. Right. But for these players of this generation, if they would have got, you know, for Randy Gratishar, for example, making it to the hall of fame, which he should have been in 30 years ago, financially and it would have had a real impact in his life he deserved it and these i guess writers just really screwed him out of the rewards and and the the benefits of going into the hall of fame and i think that's a travesty and i, I shame on them for doing that and they have a responsibility to know what comes with putting somebody in the hall of fame and if they can't understand that they need to walk yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm, I don't know that anybody's ever done a study on it, Dan, but I think it'd be fascinating to see what is the economic impact on an individual being in the in the Hall of Fame. And look, the current guys, if you made $100 million, I don't know how much that's going to impact your post-career earnings. Right. It probably would help with, you know, 
being a broadcaster or whatever, but it's, it's not as important. But, you know, back in the day in the 70s and 80s, great players like Randy Gratichar were paid well, but they were they made the kind of money that, I don't know, a lawyer makes, a doctor makes, and it's for a decade. It's not the kind of money where you and multiple generations of your family never have to work again. And it would have been a big-time benefit to him to be Hall of Famer Randy Gratishar for the past 30, 35 years. And, and the other part of it is, if he'd have played in Pittsburgh, he would have been in five years after he retired. Dallas, New York, any of those kind of places. And it's just, it's so amazing to me that these people who are supposed to know the game and supposed to be um, scholars of it are still blinded by the bias of East Coast and big market and, you know, those traditional teams. It drives me crazy. And now you're getting to the point where, you know, if you're not going through senior committees and stuff like that, most of the voters never thought guys like Randy Gradishar play. No. So it, it, it's almost impossible for them to accurately grade it. But he should have been in a long time ago. He's as good as a lot of the middle linebackers from that era, the Jack Lamberts of the world. Um, so it, it, it would have benefited him to be in there earlier. But, hey, at least he's going to get in there at some point and have um, some years to enjoy it. Well, and anybody that's run into Randy Gratishar, and he's run into a lot of people. He's 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 affected a lot of people. He's been out there in the community for so long. But anybody that's done that um, in the last, I don't know, thirty years or whatever, no, just know what what a nice guy he is. And um, uh, so, congratulations to him. That's awesome. That you know, it's it was a good feeling for everybody in this community to know he's finally getting in. So, hats off to him, right? Yeah, when I um, was working for the team, we did a game day cover. So this was two thousand two. It was the twenty fifth anniversary of that Super Bowl team. And we gathered, you know, whichever, however many of the players were still here in town for a photo shoot. And it was probably 20, 25. It was a pretty good number. And Randy Gratisher was there. And I had my dad come down with me to the, to the shoot. And, you know, he was, what, 30 years old when that team went to the Super Bowl. So for him to get to meet guys like Randy Gratishar and, and other players on that team was, was really cool. And he could not have been more gracious and nicer and just friendly. So uh, super... A uh, person, a great player, and a well-deserved honor. Yeah. Um, now, James, here's what I always say. You know, James, you and I agree on about 90, 95% of things, and I always appreciate that because I think you and I look at things from different angles. But it's my job. I, I kind of take it with a, a real sense of responsibility. It's it's usually my job to hold you accountable on things. Okay. When, you, when you get out of line sometimes, you know, you're just out there sometimes, and I have to hold you accountable. Is this the 5 to 10%? Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. But I'm listening this week, and, like, every time I happen to hear you, I'm like, man, James is making a lot of sense this week. Um, so I don't I don't know what I'm going to come at you with, but, for example, the running back room. All I hear, all training camp is, wow, this phenomenal running back room, and I'm just shaking my head. I'm like, wow. And then, finally, James Merrill has the curse to say, what did you say this week, James? Well, I said it's a pretty pedestrian room. I, I think it's arguably the worst running back room in the league. Uh, it is the epitome of overinflating your own guys. I mean, Devontae Williams coming off a major knee injury when he was a pretty good back before that. Everybody acts like he was, you know, Clinton Portis. He wasn't. He had 203 carries, 903 yards, and four touchdowns his rookie year. That's a nice year. It's not Mike Anderson. It's not Clinton Portis. It's not any of those guys. Now he's coming off of a major knee injury. It's like, Okay, well, we'll see how he plays. Samaj P. Ryan's a career backup for you know multiple years. And Julio McLaughlin is an undrafted rookie free agent. I think he should start because I think he's got the most 
upside and he's got the home run hitter ability. But that group is pedestrian to the nth degree. And I hear all these people saying, oh, they don't, they don't need to acquire anybody. Our own Zach Lazarus has a column today at denversports.com, and he calls that room great. And, and I'm just, you know, we're going to have to respectfully disagree because I just don't think there's anything great about it. There's not a guy on that in that room that would start for another team in the AFC West. And they probably wouldn't start for 20, 25 teams in the league. That is a group that needs an upgrade. There's a reason they were attached to Dalvin Cook rumors. There was a reason they're attached to Jonathan Taylor. They need an upgrade at that position because they have a bunch of guys. They don't have a star. They just don't. Well, I liked there was some stat you had about, you know, because I've, I've even heard, you know, one point they're talking about, just, you know, I think it was Zach By talking about Javante Williams could lead the league in rushing. And then, you know, you, you had a stat, I think it was yesterday about, Name the time he had X amount of carries or whatever. To, uh, going back to college or even high school, like like Javante Williams has always shared carries. I, do you remember what the stat was? It was Matt Smith going through Jonathan Taylor's game by game. And last year's season opener, it was 21 carries, 82 yards. And he said, well, isn't there a guy on this roster who could do that? My point was, well, find me how many games that Javante Williams had 21 carries or more. He's always split time. He's always platoon. They brought Melvin Gordon back for a reason. The Broncos aren't idiots, right? They're like, hey, they, we have to have this be running back by committee. At North Carolina, it was running back by committee with Michael Carter, who's with the Jets. He's not a workhorse guy. He's a, he's a guy who has a great ability to break tackles, but not a guy who can carry the ball 20, 25, 30 times a game, week in, week out. He just can't. They don't have a guy that can do that. If Samaje Piram was that guy, he would have had that opportunity in the last five or six years. So that part of it is just laughable to me. And then I love the stat. It, to me, it's a made-up stat. He had the most broken tackles in the league. Okay, well, what, what qualifies as a broken tackle? If I touch your shoelace, is that a broken tackle? Do I have to wrap you up and you shed me? Like, what is it? And it's like, okay, well, who led the league in making guys miss with a juke? Right? Like, that's valuable, too, and there's no made-up stat for that. It, but it's just one of those that, man, the group thinks Broncos uh, media at times just takes something and runs with it, and that's the talking point you just hear over and over and over and over again. He led the league in broken tackles. Quantify that for me. What does that mean? I, I, I just I have no idea what a broken tackle means in terms of measuring it as a stat. I can watch a game and be like, yeah, he broke that tackle. But did that one count? Did the other one count? I, I don't know. So, yeah, the the Javante Williams overinflation, overvalue in this town is is kind of comical to me. And I think he was a really good player. And saying he's really good somehow comes across as a knock. And I remember I was on with Zach, and I compared him to Mike Anderson. I think they have a very similar type of a game. And people took that as an insult. It's like Mike Anderson rushed for fifteen hundred yards and was the offensive rookie of the year. Like. That's a compliment to be compared to that guy. But he ain't TD and he ain't Clinton Portis and he ain't Floyd Little, the three best backs in the history of this franchise. And to act like he is, it's just, it's just being silly. Yeah, and um, we've talked about this, the overvaluing of assets. And it's the exact same thing with Jerry Judy, that, oh, this is the year that he's just going to explode as if he hasn't had a history of drops, which is now 
jumped back up, and he, as if he hasn't had a history of injury, which has now jumped back up. It's the same story over and over again, but for some reason, the media was like, oh, no, that'll not happen again. That's guaranteed. It's going to be fine. And what did you say when Tim Patrick went down? I said, you need to learn from the mistake they made last year when they didn't go out and bring anybody in and thought the guys in the room would step up. They can't make the same mistake two years in a row because, heaven forbid, what happens if Jerry, Judy, or Cortland Sutton go down? Now it's the worst receiver room in the in the league. Well, here we are. So they're going to go into the opener with Cortland Sutton, Marvin Mims, and Brandon Johnson as their top three guys. Uh, okay, that's pretty scary. But I'll tell you a stat that's amazing, Dan. They have the most expensive wide receiver room in the NFL, the most expensive. They have a combined one Pro Bowl, and that was Cortland Sutton in 2019 prior to his knee injury. I mean, it's, it, that's hard to do. So that's another group that is way overvalued, has some potential. But, man, for them to have sat on their hands after Tim Patrick blew out his Achilles was a mistake, and now here they are thin before the final preseason game even gets here. It's a very pedestrian skill position roster until people prove me otherwise, right? Like tight ends the same way. Greg Dolfish, Albert O, Adam Troutman. I mean, a bunch of guys that if they were on any other team, if they weren't playing in Denver, you wouldn't know anything about them and you, you wouldn't take them to the 12th round of your fantasy draft. It's just, but they're here. We talk about them all the time. So we act like all of a sudden they're. You know, Riley Odoms, Demarius Thomas, and Terrell Davis, and it's just not the case. Well, here's the latest one, right? All I heard at the beginning of camp is, oh, Kendall Hinton's gone. He's cut. He's cut. He's out of here. Blah, blah, blah. It's finally over for Kendall Hinton. And what I hear yesterday, oh, Kendall Hinton's amazing. Actually, Kendall Hinton. So they'll just go down the line and overinflate the guy that two weeks ago was nothing. And, you know, they're doing the same thing with Albert O. Uh, you know, Albert O was the greatest thing in the world. And then as soon as Sean Payton didn't like him, oh, he's gone. And now they're just having a couple, you know, a week or two. Oh, Albert O is great again. All right. I guess it's DMAC. DMAC loves him some Albert O. Maybe makes a team. I have nothing against Albert O. We'll just see how it shakes out. But they will just go down the line and continually overinflate whatever it is instead of just saying, we need to get better. Like like you said, learn from well, your yeah. mistakes and just, you know, Sean Payton is not overvaluing yesterday's news because he has no investment in it. Yeah, and the Kendall Hinton story, everybody, you know, is in love with the story that he started the COVID game against Saints. It's like, it was a disaster. That's embarrassing. I don't know why everybody looks back on that fondly. It was a mess. Um, it wasn't like Tom Maddy with the Baltimore Colts back in the day coming in and winning a playoff game when he's a running back to play quarterback. Like, okay, that's a great story. So the Kendall Hinton thing, though, people need to just go back to, and I don't remember which game it was, Dan. I could look it up. It was like week 13, week 14 last year when all the receivers were banged up and they're second half of the game, Russell Wilson's out there throwing the balls to Brandon Johnson, Kendall Hinton, and Freddie Swain, and there's nobody that can get open. There's no separation. Like, they're, they're guys that are fringe roster guys. They're practice squad guys. Again, I don't mean that to be insulting. I just mean that to be like, let's have an honest evaluation of the talent on this roster. They, they, they can't act like that. Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and C.D. Lamb. It's just it's laughable. And when you look at what Russell Wilson had to work with throughout his entire time in Seattle, and especially at the end there with D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, come on, there's nobody on this roster close to either one of those guys. There just isn't. Here's an interesting narrative that seemed to just pop up in the last couple of days, uh, which I don't agree with, but it's like this dark turn that now all of a sudden the Broncos are done and they got to rebuild and maybe they're going to cut 
Garrett Bowles, which I wouldn't necessarily be, I, I wouldn't disagree with if they could save a bunch of money. Um, I mean, is there a big difference between him, between him and Cam Fleming? I know you've been kind of a Garrett Bowles guy in the past, but do you think that's realistic that they're going to cut Garrett Bowles? If they, if they cut Garrett Bowles, they're waving the white flag before the opener, right? They have plenty of cap space. So, yeah, there's, it's positive financial, but were you going to get a jersey double zero and put cap space on the back? Is that who we're going to go down and root for? Like, what well, is can you roll it over? I keep hearing this year after year after year. All cap space, cap space, cap space. They can roll it forward. They can roll it forward. They can roll it forward. Well, great. At some point, you got to use it. Garrett Bowles is one of the five best offensive linemen on this team. It's not even close. It's not as though there's a young player behind him who's better and you got to find a spot for him. So the only reason to move on from Garrett Bowles and play Cam Fleming or Isaiah Prince is money. I think if you're making decisions for money when you don't have cap problems, that's sending a very bad message. You're waving the white flag and you're just saying, hey, we're just doing this as an evaluation year and we want to save some money. Money should be no object when you have the richest owners in the league. The salary cap is something that can be manipulated and maneuvered around. So that would be a mistake. And I don't think Garrett Bowles is a top five tackle in this league, but he's in the top half. So until you have a better option, you can't move on from him. You, you just can't. The right tackle position is a big enough worry. Left tackle... For all the problems Garrett Bowles has had here with the holding penalties, which gets overinflated, you have 11 holding penalties in a 16-game season. That's less than one a game. Big deal. I, I think that they're, for the most part, since he's been here, we've never had to worry about who the left tackle is. We haven't. It's like, okay, it's Garrett Bowles. Move on and start worrying about all the other spots. I think that's undervalued. Well, it's a little bit now, like James, I will, I will push back on that. Like the- a little bit like kicker. No, it's it's like he's they were inopportune penalties where they killed drives oh. and they couldn't get points and the level of play at left tackle you didn't have to worry if he was going to be in the game but you had to worry about like what he did when he was in the game it wasn't good. What, what, remind me of the the play where he got dominated and beat and the quarterback got killed. He had eleven holding penalties or whatever it was in sixteen games. Like I don't think that's as big a deal as everybody else. When your offense stinks and you got Case Keenum back there and you can't you can't turn second and fifteen into a first down, yeah, it becomes uh, exaggerated and it's a bigger issue. But it's not as though he's Ty Sembrilo out there giving up four sacks to Vic Beasley and the offense has no chance that the quarterback's going to get killed. We just haven't had that game. We haven't had that game where it's just getting dominated by the opposition and the quarterback's getting killed. We haven't. It just hasn't. It doesn't exist. There's a been a penalty game, the Bears game with the stink was calling, where he had multiple holding penalties, but that's uh, yeah, I, the, the exception. I think he's had games too where he just he just gets dominated, and, and maybe it's not blindside like the guy was knocked out of the game, but he just no, he's, he hasn't been good, James. Like that's you know that's, I, again, I can tell you the, the Ty Sambrilo game. It was Paxton Lynch to start against Atlanta here, like week three. I can tell you that one. What's the Garrett Bowles game where he got dominated? Nobody has it because it, it hasn't occurred. That's, well, if he I went back and looked, game. that's like gotcha stuff. That's what, you know, all right, well, if you can't name it, that's like uh, that's like uh, DMAC saying, well, uh, Rockies fans that are going to coming out in droves and paying money, but if they can't name the, this player, uh, then they're, they're not a Rockies fan. It's like, no, no, no. If you just I, can't say that he's been dominated but not be able to provide an example of when he got dominated. Well, I'd, because you just put me on the spot. Like, if I went back and said, all right, let me give me time to go look at the tape, I would. Because I do remember vaguely, like, oh, yeah, man, he's killing us. Like, what the heck's he doing? 
You know, and if you okay. just look, if you just look, James, you would agree that Teddy Bridgewater almost died on the field. The offensive line is not play has not been good, and that the offensive line play has not been good, even dating back to the Super Bowl years. The offensive Agreed. line play has been terrible, and left tackle has been a part of that equation. Agreed, but it's been the least of the problems. Oh, I, don't, I, I don't think it's been the least of the problem because a big okay, part. Well, a big part. Of, they haven't brought in nineteen left tackles. A big part, well, because they they because they suffered what we were talking about earlier. They overvalue their asset, and they're like, "Dude, we spent a, a first round pick on this guy, and John Elway doesn't want to be wrong, and so we got to." And then it was like, "Do we even pick up his fifth year option?" Well, he played just good enough during COVID. I guess we should do it. And the contract wasn't that bad because he did play well enough. I mean, it's just you know they're doubling down on their bad investment. Just like they do under John Elway, and just like they did under Paxton Lynch, or then they you know, miss out miss out on Josh Allen. Like that, you know, they've been bad in the front office. We know that. All right, there, there's no debate about that. But it, I would agree with you on that. They, they've missed a ton of picks, but I, I think Garrett Bowles is adequate, above average. Do I think he's worth the kind of money they paid him? No, but I think again, he's the least of their problems. Okay, real quick. Real, real quick, because I, I need to get you out there, Coach. I need to get you on the field, oh, but I gotta get your I gotta get your response on this. Tannenbaum, who of course is one of the worst GMs in NFL history, but Tannenbaum comes out saying he'd be what do he say? I'm gonna be shocked if Russell Wilson isn't benched by the end of the year. Uh, yeah. Give me a break. Uh, listen, he may he may get benched. But for who? Tannenbaum, who are they, who are they gonna bench him for? Right, exactly. We've watched Jared Stidham every day in practice. We've watched Ben DiNucci. I, I just don't know how bad it would have to be, Dan, for him to get benched. The only thing I could see is it becomes a point where they're out of it, and they're like, heaven forbid he gets hurt, and then we can't get we can't release him, and we're stuck with the contract, right, because he's injured. That may be the only reason he gets benched, because they're out of it late, and they don't want to have him – a lot of need week 16 or 17 and all of a sudden they're stuck with that contract so aside from that i don't i don't see it happen yeah no i yeah it's, he doesn't know what's going on here it was uh it was no, good, good fodder but... up. all right james all all i ask is this just one time when you're out there with the kids coaching when the chips are down and things look bleak just one time you look them in the eyes and you say just go out there and Win one for Dan. I will. I'll give him the Dan Jacobs speech tonight. <laughs> Win right. one for the Danner. All right. Hey, man, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it, Dan. So it was fun. All right, thanks to James Merillat. Here's a, here's a text. Um, I think this gets to the root of it. James and I were talking about Garibaldi. Holding penalties kill drives just as bad as sacks. I'm not sure why James is so loyal to Bowles, who is just another example of a Broncos front office that has repeatedly failed to build an effective offensive line. Hallelujah! That goes right to the... Thank you, Texter. That goes right to the the issue. We talked about this last weekend, and I, I, I laid it out. The problem with the Broncos offensive line, even if it's... Because what James was getting at was, okay, what happens oftentimes, why is the left tackle so important? Well, because he's protecting the blind side of the quarterback. And if you let guys go through completely unchecked, they will, the quarterback's not going to see him coming and he could die, right? 
It could just come through and just destroy it. Well, Garrett Bowles is not good at protecting the quarterback, so he'll hold so that doesn't happen. And so what James is saying is, well, nobody's died, right? So we must not be that bad. And so, well, that's kind of a problem because what the text we're sitting on is right. And what I talked about last week is what it, what has happened way too many times is early in games, of the Broncos' offense may be rolling, right? They may come down. They may have actually gotten, you know, a touchdown or something, you know, like Drew Locke, for example, right? Remember Drew Locke came down, scored early against the Chiefs, uh, rolling, and he's doing his dances, and we're like, dude, Drew Locke, don't dance on the Chiefs, dude. They're going to kill you, man. That's stupid. He's doing his volleyball spikes. He's doing all this stuff, whatever. They may even have a little bit of momentum, and then – they're driving, and then he has the inopportune penalty. And 10-yard penalties kill you, and then that, that just stops the drive. So they you know, may have gotten just on the edge, just in the opposing territory, and then second and six turns into second and 16, or it was third down, it was third and five, and now it's third and 15. And it just kills all your momentum, and it kills drives. And then you're punting, and then... And then all their momentum's gone, and then the other team capitalizes, and then the other team is ahead, and they know how to beat you. And then the Broncos are playing from behind, and they weren't equipped to uh, – that. It, it's killed them. Garrett Bowles has killed them for years, and they've never addressed it. And he's looked terrible in this camp. And so now the conversation this week has been, oh, my God, what are we going to do? You know, maybe we could just save a bunch of money – And I I thought the conversation was at least legitimate that was saying, well, you know, what if we put somebody there? Is it going to be that much worse? Cam Fleming or whatever. Like, is it going to be that much worse? Probably not. Like, he just hasn't been great. And if you're going to save $28 million. Somebody else is saying on the text line, "Um, Dan, I don't know this rolling over thing. Is it? What does that mean? Yeah, like there's a certain amount of money that if you don't use, you could roll over to the next year. You can increase your cap space next year by, you know, you can't do like 50 million. There's a limit to it. But yeah, you can use the cap space next year. And conversely, um, but you can only do, you know, you have to spend a minimum, right? Like you can't say, oh, well, I just, I'm not going to spend my money. Like I'm going to be cheap. And that way, you know, I don't have to spend money, and I can put it in my pocket. There's there's a minimum you have to spend, and there's a maximum you can spend, right? All right, uh, coming up next hour, we are going to check in Las Vegas. Josh Jacobs did sign a deal. Get, he's getting a little bit more money. He's going to be back in time to face the Denver Broncos. Um, we'll check in with, probably do that 20 after, Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review Journal and ESPN Las Vegas. I'll do that next and get some more of your texts as well. Hour number two of the Dan Jacobs Show rolling on.